If you don't want the following movie spoiled for you, better put on the brakes and go watch it first. We'll be here whenever you get back. Also, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Dylan's FRF or email us at Dylan's FRF at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Dylan's First Run Features. Here are your hosts, Ryan Mason and Dylan Mason. This is Lane Hewitt speaking. Welcome to Dylan's First Run Features. I'm Groucho and that's Harpo. Yeah. <laughs> we are the Marx Brothers because <laughs> we came up with something that's, you know, really lighthearted for a movie that is not really lighthearted. Yeah. We try to keep our, our names at the beginning of the show, you know, kind of relevant to the topic that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't really find any uh, dynamic duo who are known for torture that we would want to be associated yeah. with. So we're, we're staying away from that. Yeah, we're going to stay away from that. So today we're doing another episode in our summer collection, which uh, Dad has the name for since I can't really say it. Batshit summer. <laughs> yeah. So each summer we're going to be doing a theme, and this year we're going with that name, and um, we're just going to be talking about a lot of just crazy movies. And uh, today's episode, as you'll see from the title of the episode, is Audition. Audition. Takashi Miike's classic... Torture porn. Torture porn. <laughs> the, the, the movie that possibly kicked off the torture porn craze in America. That audition. is true, yeah. Yeah. This is absolutely before Saw. Yep. And this is really what um, shot Japanese cinema into the American... The limelight of America. Yeah. It really, into the zeitgeist, if Into you will. the zeitgeist, yeah, that's a better word. I never really took into thought how disturbing this movie could be, uh-huh. but oh boy. Uh-huh. It, uh, it re- it just, I tried to warn you. <laughs> yeah. It really justifies one of my fears, and no, oddly enough, it's not kidnapping. It's needles. There's <laughs> nothing. There's a lot of needles in this There's one. a lot of needles. Mm-hmm. In very mm. peculiar places. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Nothing gets under my skin, no pun intended, like needles do. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Ooh. Yeah. The premise of Audition is that a, a man who lost his wife decides to, with his friend, hold an audition to find himself a new wife. It wasn't his idea initially. It was his friend who was a casting director. Yes. The main character's name is Shigaru, played by Ryo Ishibashi. And he decides that he wants to remarry because his son says, hey, you look miserable. Why don't you remarry and be happy again? And he's like, okay. (laughs) But he's not really uh, ready to start dating necessarily or or instigating that whole thing. So the casting director steps in and they... uh, They hold an audition, as the title implies. Under the guise that they're casting a movie, when in reality they're casting a wife. Yeah. And... That's dirty pool. You don't do that. That is that's definitely very weird. Yeah. And so they hold the audition, and eventually Shigaru finds Asami, who is, in his view, just the coolest person. Yeah, the perfect woman. <laughs> Boy, does it turn out she is not that. <laughs> very heavily not that. And Asami is played by Ihai Shina. 
Shayina. I, I apologize to any Japanese listeners, which I'm sure we don't have any, but yeah. but if we do, I apologize for the the butchering of your language yeah. and of your uh, the, the names of people. I I'm white, yeah, <laughs> and I'm American, and I'm dumb, so yeah. you know it kind of works out that way. Yeah, we are dumb over here. Yeah, what's the matter with you, boy? You too stu- stupid. I want to quickly just start this out with a a troubling conversation. Okay. There is just something in particular that really bothers me. Yeah. It's when horror filmmakers or filmmakers in general decide to kill off animals in the name of shock factor. Yes. And many horror filmmakers do this because of shock factor. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's to progress the plot. This movie ends up killing an animal for the reason of shock factor. I am not one of those people that says, like, I'm not, like, an extreme vegan. Like, I'm not a... <laughs> You're not a member of PETA. No. I am not a member of PETA, no. <laughs> I'm not a member of PETA. PETA? Oh, PETA, I want you to do me so hard that we have to change churches. Whenever I see animals die in film, mm-hmm. it is upsetting to me. And you see it coming, too, in some movies. Yes. And, and this one you definitely did, because... The family dog was beloved, and they paid a lot of attention to they it. They paid a lot of attention yeah. to it. We're like, and oh yeah, that dog's gonna die. Yeah, as soon as as soon as the dog came on screen, I went, oh. And and you know, it doesn't matter if the dog is cute or ugly, but this was an adorable little beagle. Yes, it and was. Doesn't matter if they look like a mongrel; it's still not right. Yeah, so, it's not yeah. right. Yeah. And I don't care if it's a dog. I don't care if it's a cat. I don't care if it's a monkey. It bothers me. <laughs> We, we've discussed this. You're not supposed to have pet monkeys. You're not supposed no, to. No, you're not. Yeah. Like, there are some Doesn't animals. mean you should kill it, but you should, you know, release yeah. it into the wild or yeah. a sanctuary or... Do something like that. Yeah, but or... just don't kill it and no. show their dead carcass. That's not cool. No. Let's not get in the weeds on this one. Let's, yeah. let's keep going. Move along, sir. I would like to talk about the dramatic shift in tone in this movie. Turns on a dime, doesn't it? It <laughs> really does. Yeah. It's rare that a movie can really take a hard, hard turn like this movie does. Mm-hmm. And it's rare that they pull it off very well. Mm-hmm. Some comedies can shift to drama very well. For example, Jojo Rabbit, Banshees of Inisherin. Both of them shift hard into drama, and it really, really works. In natural ways, too. Well, maybe not natural, but they, they shift in tone in a realistic manner. Yes. Yeah. For examples of horror, that where it shifts from a drama of some sort to a horror movie, Bone Tomahawk shifts from a western into a horror like Oh, yeah. Just like that. Very hard. And it does it very well. Mm-hmm. And as well as that, Midsummer, I feel, pulls this off in a very correct manner as well. Yep. As well could be said for Hereditary. Yeah. Because that shifts hard in its third act. Well, I don't know. As far as Hereditary is concerned, I think it shifts as soon as that head hits the pole. So. Yes. <laughs> yes, very, very heavily there's, shifts. There's already, a, there's already an eerie tone to the movie, but then after that, that's where it all goes haywire. Yes. So, yeah. Tear 
So I also want to talk about how every character in this movie is extremely antagonistic. Mm-hmm. The only character that isn't really antagonistic is the son. Right. And it's because, you know, the son is the son is innocent. He's had a pretty traumatic life. Mm-hmm. Every but he's other, a good kid. He's a good kid. Yeah. And every other character just sucks in this movie. Right. Especially the casting director. That oh, guy yeah. is one of my least favorite characters in cinema yeah, he's, ever. He's a scumbag to the nth degree yes <laughs> let's go back to that tonal shift real quick okay. so in this movie the tonal shift happens in a very odd manner so it, we it see does. so we see asami when she's with shigaru and she seems like the perfect fit for him she's very shy but but they're very good together she seems like a perfect match right she won't let him go back to her place for mysterious reasons, and that's where the tonal shift begins because at one point, Shigaru is calling her on the telephone, and they flash to her apartment, and she's sitting on the floor in an uncomfortable manner yes. with her head down. Yes. And in the background, we see a big burlap sack with something large on the inside of it. Yes. And as the phone continues to ring, she doesn't answer. But whatever's in the bag rolls over and rolls back over again and grunts. And I have to say, that's one of the greatest jump scares ever. That was a good one. I mean, you, you don't ki- really see that coming. <laughs> I mean, you kind of expect something in the yeah. bag to move, but it doesn't make itself very apparent when it's going to happen. Right. Nor do you expect the loud grunt no. that's going to come from it. Yeah. No, this movie, animalistic like grunt. It's honestly terrifying yeah. when it happens because it hits you hard. You're immediately wondering what's in the bag, and when you find out, you're like, "Oh shit, that's what's in the bag." Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. it's ooh, it's hard to look at. It is. Yeah. It's very, very disturbing. It is. Man, does this do a good tonal shift? Yeah, it does. Because after that, it's like the gloves are off. This movie has beautiful cinematography. It does. In one instance, the cinematography deeply made me uncomfortable, and it has one of, in my opinion, the scariest shots in horror cinema, in my opinion, ever. Okay, which one was that? There is a scene where Shigaru goes to this dance studio that Asami had been recently dancing at Mm -hmm. for what seemed like forever. Yes. Shigaru sees that this man is in a wheelchair, and this is the dance instructor, is sitting in a wheelchair and is just playing the piano, and... At one moment in the film, for what seems like forever, they show the dance instructor just playing the piano, and it's from Shigaru's perspective. And I don't know why, but that got under my skin so heavily. Yeah, it's an eerie scene for sure. That entire scene really made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, especially when you find out who that person is. Yes. And once you find out what kind of an animal he really is, then it makes it even scarier. They introduce him with his back to the camera, and whenever he turns to the camera, there is something very wrong with him, and it's his feet. Yeah, yeah. His feet look like they're made of wood. Or concrete or something. Yeah. Yeah, It's really strange looking. It looks like it's wrapped up in, like, bamboo or something. It's weird. His feet have been severed, but his artificial replacements are crudely handmade. Yes. Yeah. That is one incredibly nasty-looking foot. He is the reason why Osami is insane. Yes. Because he sexually abused her as a small child, who, and he was her dance instructor. And not only did he sexually abuse her, but he also burned her 
uh, on the inside of the thigh with incense. Very, very badly, too. Very badly. And that history of abuse is what basically gave her a hatred of men in general. Yeah. Especially those that would take advantage of people. Yes. And when she found out that she was being taken advantage of with the audition, shit got very real after yeah, that. Yeah, so. it really got real. She is disturbed and... They go further in depth with her character by showing what she's done in the past and what has happened to her in the past and what is happening to her now. And it just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. And you as a viewer continue to discover that she is not who you think she is. No, she's not. And it's honestly amazing character writing. Let's go ahead and take a detour here and talk about Takashi Miike's film career. Yes. So... Audition was his first breakout film that got him kind of worldwide notoriety. Yes. And then he followed that with another cult classic called, well, not immediately followed it, but later on he would do Ichi the Killer, which is incredibly gruesome and shocking. Yes, it is. And along with that, he garnered a lot of controversy. Oh, yeah. He also directed the original One Missed Call. And that is a very popular one compared to, you know, it's American. The American remake was not good. Yeah. The one missed call that he directed is very famous and is pretty commonly known as a classic at this point. Mm -hmm. He also did another really unsettling movie called Gozu. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't love that movie, but it is definitely gruesome. He also directed this movie called 13 Assassins, mm -hmm. which I've heard is gruesome. That did get a theatrical release here. Really? It did, yeah. Huh. Honestly, my favorite thing in his collection is filmography. Not based on what I've seen, but what I'm reading right now. And that is a film called Zebra Man. I haven't seen Zebra Man. I haven't seen it either, but I just think the title's hilarious. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> zebra Man. <laughs> half man, half zebra. <laughs> it's probably not what it's about, but... No, it's definitely <laughs> not what it's about, but... Well, I guess we should probably get into talking about the way the movie ends mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Shigaru's fate. Yeah. 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 Mm. And Osami's fate for that And matter. Osami's fate, yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. this is how the movie ends. Osami drugs Shigaru with an unknown drug and we immediately go into this dream sequence and you just have no idea what's happening. You don't know what's happening and you actually don't know if what's happening is a dream or not. In this scene, that's where you find out what's in the bag. Mm-hmm. It leads to your absolute favorite scene in the movie. It is a man who has been mutilated, but still alive. And Osami vomits profusely into a dog bowl and feeds it to him. It's your favorite scene, I know it. Uh, it's, I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch that sort of thing, thank I you, know. because vomit is not my thing. Oh, I know. No. The sounds of him lapping it up was enough to make me nauseous. Yeah. Just listening. If I have to be honest with you, the dream sequence is my favorite part of this movie. It's insane. It is absolutely batshit. It's bizarre. <laughs> and it's nuts. It's, it's just nuts. Yes. We get back to the present part of the film where Shigaru, he just collapses. She gives him a drug that paralyzes him, but he can still feel everything. As soon as he collapses, she comes into the room with uh, leather, mm -hmm. needles, yes, and other forms of torture. Let's talk about her look here. In this scene, she's wearing, I don't know if it's leather, if it's like a, a black rubber apron. Yes. And long, either rubber or leather gloves that go all the way up to her, past her elbows, and are tied off with the rubber straps that somebody might use to shoot up with that you see in movies. Yeah. 
the look that she's getting there has been used in other body horror type of movies. Yeah. And one of them specifically is American Mary by the Saska sisters. Oh. American Mary, she's wearing a getup that's similar to that when she performs her surgeries. Mm-hmm. That character does like extreme body modifications yeah. to people. And uh, her look is very similar to Osami's in this movie, so I think there's some heavy inspiration there. This um, this getup went on to become the cover and the most famous shot in the entire film. Yeah. And at this point, I can honestly say that it's most likely become an iconic part of horror foreign cinema. Well-deserved. Yeah. She looks insane. She's, she's scary. Yeah. yeah, very scary. So as the scene continues... She puts, like, a tarp on the ground so that, you know, no blood. Right. And then she puts needles in him. Mm-hmm. And, oh, boy, did this establish my fear of needles. First, she puts just, like, maybe 20 or 30 of them right into his chest and mm-hmm. stomach. hmm And then <laughs> she puts them in his eyelids. <laughs> right under the eye. Mm-hmm. Right under the eye. And whenever she goes to put the things in his eyelids she sits on his chest <laughs> yeah drives the drives, drives the, the needles, needles right down in there way deeper mm-hmm. and she's already put him deep because you know how she you know how you can tell she put she keeps continuously saying deep 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 deeper 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 the japanese word for deeper it sounds like she's saying kitty 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 and it yeah. sounds really cute, even though what she's doing is heinous. So, And it provides just a small bit of dark humor that adds to this overall really upsetting scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After she is done inserting needles into his eyelids, yes. she takes piano wire. She does. And she wraps it many times around his foot. Yep. She takes the piano wire and just starts going against his leg. Saws his feet off. Mm-hmm. And I know you loved that sound. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves the sound of piano wire, wire going, going through, through bone, yeah, <laughs> skin and bone. Yeah, and oh boy, it, it feels like they're holding a microphone straight up to the piano wire. It sure does. It's, it's, it's a loud sound. It's gruesome. It's yeah, a loud gruesome. sound. And in the middle of this scene, um, while she is sawing off his foot, it cuts to like a blue, like a blue tinted shot. And it just shows the piano teacher, and he's uh, playing with himself. Yeah. And I think that more or less adds on to what he did while she was dancing. Right. Nasty. That's nasty. Soon enough, the son comes home, and he enters the door and sees his dad lying on the ground, goes to call the cops, and Asami finds him and starts spraying something like probably Maybe chloroform. mace or pepper spray or chloroform or something and tries to spray it in his eyes, yeah. Yeah. This happens, and he runs up a flight of stairs, and this is where we get that very, very disturbing shot of the dead dog. Mm-hmm. And Asami gives chase, and the son kicks her down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And it breaks her neck. Yes. And Asami dies. Yes. And leaves Shigaru dying on the ground, most likely dying from blood loss. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends. Yep. Very lighthearted. Very, <laughs> very lighthearted. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. It's a knee slapper. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has been audition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Words of the wise, uh, guys out there, don't do anything like that to no. get a woman. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, use your charm and intelligence and, and, you know, try to woo her the natural way. Yes. Otherwise, you could be hobbled and stuck with needles. And And dead from blood loss. Yeah. So, the lighthearted family comedy audition, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) 
So what are we doing next? It's oh, exciting. We've got uh, sort of a sponsor. Sort of. Sort yeah. of, yeah. Well, they're not giving us money, but they gave us movies to cover, and we're they excited did. about that. We're so excited. Sloppy Second Sales. That is correct. Yes. They gave us five movies that they want us to cover to promote their company. Mm-hmm. And we're going to tell you one of them that we're going to cover next week, and then we'll slowly reveal the other four as we go along. So our next episode is one that we saw on a documentary. And once we saw it on the documentary, we went, oh, my God, we have to do that. Yes. And that movie is Devil Fetus. (laughs) We're going to cover Devil Fetus. Devil Fetus. (laughs) I will say, based on the rate of of the releasing of these shows, then these five movies will probably round out batshit summer for us. Yeah. Look for that here in the near future. Uh, We thank SloppySecondSales.com for helping us out and giving us these movies. Please, if you're a movie fan and really into obscure cult-like movies, yes. check them out. SloppySecondSales.com. Absolutely. Go check them out. They, If you love physical media, boy, do they have it. Cult classics. Ultra, and ultra even, rare. even some like True Lies that are big mainstream movies that, for whatever reason, are not out to buy on physical media. So. Yeah. They have TV shows. They have other movies. They have Netflix stuff. If yeah. you ever want to buy it, then yeah, uh, yeah go look there. Thank you all for listening today. We are sorry that our uploading schedule is, you know, just a bit wonky. We have a lot of stuff going on. We're busy. I just got out of school. Yeah. So hopefully that means we can get more episodes out during the summer. Hopefully so, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I am Dylan. I'm Ryan. That's my dad. (laughs) Hi, Dad. Thank you for listening. Bye. Dylan's First Run Features is produced and edited by Markham Harvey. Our music is by Dylan Mason. I'm your announcer, Dylan's mother. This has been a Clown Business Coalition production. Good night, everyone. This is Lane Hewitt speaking.